Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Greetings, this is Rob Hartzler with TSAOG Orthopedics in San Antonio. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Dave Hardigan, sports medicine, shoulder, and hip specialist at Twin Cities Orthopedics in Minnesota. Dr. Hardigan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rob. It's great to be here. Uh, long-time listener, first-time guest, so uh, I'm excited to be part of the program. Excellent. Well, today we're going to be discussing your article from the April 2020 issue entitled Calcific Tendinitis of the Shoulder, Protector or Predictor of Cuff Pathology, a Magnetic Resonance Imaging-Based Study. Dr. Hardigan, congratulations on the article. Calcific tendon disease is a very old subject, as evidenced by your citation of Codman's 1906 paper on the subacromial bursa. What got you interested in revisiting the topic? Yeah, so great question. I think, uh, like you said, this has been around for a long time. And throughout my training, I'm still early on in my career, throughout my training, you know, it's kind of been something that's always been told to me. If you have calcific tendonitis, or deposit calcification within your tendon, you can kind of assume that the tendon is still intact. So a lot of people were not ordering MRI scans because of that. And every now and then they did an MRI scan for preoperative planning to go in there and excise some of the calcium. And you'd see some full thickness or high-grade partial thickness cuff tears. And so it was obvious to me that there was something of a disconnect between uh, what we were seeing on x-ray and clinically and MRI scans. So I thought it would be worth investigating. I also do a lot of hip surgery. And in 2018, we published a study about radiographic risk factors for abductor tendon disease. And what we found was pelvic width was a big predictor, but also what we call calcific enthesopathy or lateral cortical irregularities were also present in abductor tendon tears, which as you know, are very similar to rotator cuff tendon tears in the shoulder. And we found that there is a 94% positive predictive value of if you have calcification also having a uh, an abductor tendon tear. And so we figured that out. I thought it was worth investigating the calcifications within the cuff. And so we looked at our database and we were able to do a study that I think will help clinicians make some clinical decisions as far as if to order an MRI scan, when to order an MRI scan, and then, you know, better treat their patients with calcific deposits in their cuff. So this study came out of Mayo Clinic in Arizona. Yes. And all of these patients were treated at that location. This wasn't a Mayo system-wide study. No, this is just Mayo Clinic, Arizona. Yeah. And the doctors who were referring these patients for the MRI scans, were they primarily orthopedic surgeons? Was this general practitioners? Who were the referrers? So yeah, Mayo Clinic within Arizona is comprised of all different types of practitioners. I would say 70 or so percent of these patients were the MRI scan was ordered by an orthopedist or a PM&R physician. The other 30% were primary care. Yeah, so I was just kind of wondering, you know, how representative of a sample of maybe general calcific tendon disease was this? Are these patients who have already been treated and are being considered for surgery or some sort of procedure in general? These patients had all failed conservative treatment to some measure, whether that was physical therapy, a corticosteroid injection, a time rest non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, everybody within the study had failed some conservative therapy. Got it. I mean, do you think that it's changed your management at all? Are you ordering more MRI scans or are you still having patients go through non-operative treatment and then 
basing it more on their clinical presentation. Yeah, so I think what this study has made me realize is that I kind of disregard the calcification within the tendon. And so I don't think it's a predictor or a protector of rotator cuff pathology. Whatever clinician you are, if you have an algorithm to treat patients with rotator cuff type pain, and so for me that's weakness. If patient has a significant amount of weakness on exam, I tend to get an MRI scan whether they have calcifications there or not. Because what, one of the biggest things that we found in the study is didn't seem to predict or protect patients from a cuff tear. And so, you know, again, I'll go back to kind of some of my residency and fellowship training. A lot of people were making the decision, oh, let's not order an MRI scan because you see calcifications there. And because you see calcifications there, you think the rotator cuff is intact. I think what this study shows is that you can completely disregard the calcification. I mean, you might treat it a little differently in the conservative phases, but if they have significant weakness, I would still get an MRI scan, even if they had calcific tendinitis within the cuff. The percentage of patients that had full thickness tears, though, was pretty low. It was only 4%. So when yep. you say there were a lot of tears, you're talking about partial tears. Yeah, so there's a, a pretty good number of partial, but 56% of patients had partial thickness tears. And we did kind of a post hoc analysis of those partial thickness tears. And I can't remember the exact number, but it was above 50% of those partial thickness tears were actually high-grade partial thickness tears. And so depending on a person's algorithm to treat rotator cuff pathology, that can have some treatment implications as well. And so, again, I think if you use the usual criteria for treating rotator cuff pathology, I would use, I would use that to discern whether you're going to get an MRI scan or not. So do you think that this study has any usefulness to let's take it out of orthopedics and just say the primary care practitioner, the PM&R physician, providers who treat musculoskeletal disease, if they have a patient with shoulder pain and they get an x-ray and they, they see this or they see the report that there's calcific disease, what do you think that they should take away from this kind of study? Like you nicely outlined, a very low percentage of these patients, this isn't an optimal Patient population, like you said, these patients have already tried and failed conservative treatments. If you look at the age group, it's a little higher age. It's like the average age is 60. And so it's not necessarily a perfect group to look at. But I think in that scenario, again, calcific tendonitis in and of itself is a low risk of it being a full thickness tear that requires the surgeon's attention. So I think you'd be good on most accounts to initiate conservative treatments. But, but I don't think in the hands of somebody who does a lot of musculoskeletal examinations, I wouldn't change my algorithm for treating this. You know, if there was weakness, I would still order an MRI scan. Mm-hmm. So basically the message to the to the primary care physician is, in general, this isn't necessarily a surgical referral unless they've already no. failed non-operative treatment. Absolutely. And then I think it is appropriate. If they fail conservative treatment, I think it deserves a closer look. So it deserves a little three-dimensional imaging to ensure that you're not, you know, telling a patient to go do physical therapy and take medications and get injections when there's a full thickness tear underlying. How about uh, what's your go-to non-operative treatment algorithm? You're sending these patients for barbitage, physical therapy. What do you typically do? So, yeah, I mean, I think in general, I would say physical therapy, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, a corticosteroid injection, barbitage. Started to kind of change a little bit how I treat some of these patients. I mean, if they're in more of an inflammatory phase, if it's kind of like a softer calcification, if the borders are a little bit irregular, 
it doesn't look like it's a like a well corticated piece of bone. That to me means it's a little bit more of a metabolically active lesion, and so sometimes it might be worth in that scenario in a type two or three lesion to consider something that's a really potent anti-inflammatory, like a corticosteroid injection, high-dose non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, and then physical therapy. Whereas if it's a more well-corticated lesion, you know, you're very easily able to see the borders of the lesion, the type 1 lesion. I might be more apt to try barbitage, to try and get the body to recognize that it's there and try and phagocytize some of the calcifications and hopefully get rid of it. So I know this is a little bit off the topic of the paper, but how about patients that you're taking to surgery for these? Are you being pretty aggressive about removing the calcification? Are you just kind of incising the tendon and and debriding it? Are you doing needling under arthroscopic visualization? What do you? What's kind of your surgical tactic for these lesions? Yeah, and so if I if I do go to surgery, you know I'm a planner, so I do get an MRI scan on everybody that goes to the operating room. They need to identify if there is a tear, if there isn't a tear, and then also to be able to tell with a high, high degree of certainty uh, where that calcification is and so you can minimize any iatrogenic damage to tendons trying to look for it. We've all been in this situation and we all know the adage, no one looks good taking out hardware. I think it probably applies to calcific tendonitis too. Mm -hmm. When I do it, I'm pretty aggressive. So I actually will take a shaver and try and shave out that calcification. And if I shave out more than, you know, 30, 40% 30, 40% of any kind of tendon insertion, then I'll usually do a repair on top. And I counsel patients beforehand about the possible need for sling and kind of treating it like a rotator cuff repair surgery, depending on how aggressive you have to be with that calcification removal. Great. Yeah. I basically tell them they're going to end up with a rotator cuff tear that needs repair. And so I counsel them, you know, about post-operative management being a cuff, you know, cuff rehab type of protocol. So sounds yeah, like similar say, philosophy there. I haven't done, I mean, I would say in a year, a handful of these. I mean, it's not like a, I'm not aggressive to your original question. Or am I aggressively taking these out? I would say they'd have to fail. If they don't have a really high grade tear, full thickness tear, they'd have to fail any and all conservative treatment before they ended up in the operating room. I think another interesting thing that came out of this study is we had two really good musculoskeletal radiologists, Dr. Fox and Dr. Flube. And some of these, a few of these scans were arthrograms as opposed to just the regular MRI. And there's no question that arthrograms are much, much, much easier to interpret for a high-level musculoskeletal radiologist as well as tinier day-to-day orthopedist. And so one thing I am considering doing or have, have initiated at this point is actually getting arthrograms on patients with calcific tendonitis. If you're looking for a cuff tear, hmm. so much easier to read when that dye gets in there. It's a good pearl. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that there were a lot of tears that were not in the same tendon as the calcific disease. Yeah, I think it was like fifty or sixty percent. Yeah, sixty percent of the full thickness tears were in another tendon. So then it makes you wonder exactly. what's driving the symptomatology there. Yeah. And so, you know, it could be, everybody here has, you know, been on trauma call and gotten a chest x-ray for a level in trauma and seen significant calcifications and various tendons within the body. In your chest x-ray, you look at the shoulder and there's, exactly right. So I think if the calcifications are changing your clinical decision, whether to order an MRI scan or not, it just doesn't make sense to me based on this paper. If you look at previous papers on calcific tendonitis, the number in those papers was super low. I mean, it's usually 40s and 50s. 
So I think another thing that this brings to the table, this study, is it's a really high number. I mean, 300 and, I think there's 320 or so patients. Yeah, 300 um, over 340. Yeah, very yeah. high. And so I think that you you know you get a little bit more power, obviously, with that number. Uh, even though again, it's not an optimal patient population, but it's, uh, it kind of gives the practitioner a little bit more confidence in the in the data coming out of a study like that. Yeah, it's great for great for patient counseling too. Yeah. Well, any other closing thoughts? It's been great, Rob. I think you, you summed it up nicely. Okay. Excellent. Well, congratulations again on the study, and we look forward to more work coming down the pipeline from y'all there out of Twin Cities Orthopedics. Appreciate it, Rob. This article from the April 2020 issue of Arthroscopy, Calcific Tendinitis of the Shoulder, Protector or Predictor of Cuff Pathology, can be found on the Arthroscopy Journal website at arthroscopyjournal.org.